It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. now. Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts. Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports wagering information. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. They feature live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. They have every sport. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, just be sure to use our promo code BLEAV. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Uh, Kyle, a very happy. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, National Science Day to you. Science. What was your Brother, favorite I mean, science? What's your favorite we, science? We, uh, my favorite this science. Is, uh, but it's biology. We just talked about this. Oh, we just yeah, did yeah, this. I like animals. I like animals, yeah. We talked the about science that I did the best with in and... school was earth science because it was just data, right? There's no like process behind it to do any calculations or anything like that. These are the rocks. This is the earth. It's the mantle, the crust, and the core. You know what I mean? Like, hey, just memorize that and you get an A. Very good, Joe. Very did I get, good. is that right? Wow. The mantle, the crust, and the core? Did I pull that? Science. That was very good. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Wow. Thank, uh, thank Ben online for the continued support of the show. We'll see y'all later. You guys have a favorite sign? Oh, because it was National Periodic Table Day, of course. Why would right. we celebrate that? Yeah. And, and Chris, like a 12-year-old, picked the one that was 69th on I picked element 69 day. on the periodic table. Yeah, yeah. I left a little Easter nice. egg for everybody. Uh, I'm a big physics guy. Took AP physics in uh, in high school. Yeah. yeah. So when you watch baseball, is it about the the... the direction of the mound and the arm angle and you probably should have stopped with mantle crust and core joe you probably that's, peaked there that that that's more biomechanics that would have, than, that would have been more than physics uh, would have been more kyle's kyle speed. kyle has a degree in this i'm pretty sure uh movement sciences yes kinesiology yeah freaking scientists right here kyle Krabs. uh it is a bachelor's of science yes um wow <laughs> I uh, moved off the Bachelor's of Science plan because there's too many math classes involved. I had to pick a Bachelor of Arts so I could take less math classes. I was thankful oh, for also, my st- statistics um, class that I took. It kind of feel like statistics is the one that I probably use the most of, believe it or not, as uh, guys that are not, not math, math guys. Guy. Right, also, a happy National uh, Public Sleeping Day. So if you like to sleep in public, so that that guy in in Mobile, Joe, was that celebrating was about a month yeah. early. Coffee shop. He was celebrating the coffee early, shop. But... Oh, I heard yeah, this story. I was not there with you guys. But <laughs> Compromising <heard> situation, boys. <laughs> His guy was about to tumble off of the bench in the coffee shop. He needed to drink his coffee. That's the whole point. That, right? that would have been helpful. That would have helped him if he drank that. Yeah. So today on the show, I know one of the things that Joe 
immediately at the start of this week flag that he wanted to talk about was Bryce Young being the top quarterback to not throw at the NFL combine. And I don't know that it's necessarily a huge surprise when you've heard kind of the narrative of him and his camp or trying to get him up to 210 pounds for the weigh-in. And that's usually how these things work. If you're going to stack weight, you're not going to do physical activity and then you're going to drop all the weight and do your physical activity at your, your pro day. But, um, well, Bryce is a very unique projection because of his stature and the norms of the position. And we've seen the norms of the position expand a little bit more in recent history with the changes offensively to the game. So Joe, I know this is something you were very passionate about wanting to talk about. So I want to give you the floor first here and let's talk about Bryce Young, not throwing at the NFL combine. Um, At the risk of being old man yelling at the clouds at a risk of being the get off my lawn guy, I'm disappointed and I respect every athlete's opportunity to attack the process however they want to, right? You can participate or not participate in whatever you choose to. That is your choice. But in a world where CJ Stroud's throwing and Will Levis is throwing and Anthony Richardson's throwing the other perceived top quarterbacks, I want to see Bryce Young also throw, especially in a situation where I feel like He's the least physically intriguing of any of them, right? And this feels like avoidance to me. This feels like, hey, I'm small, had to bulk up and put on some weight so that I could hit a certain number on the scale, uh, but that's going to impact the way that I sequence and throw, so I'm not going to do it here. So I want to check this box for my weight, um, but I certainly don't want to throw footballs after the ball spins off the hands of uh, Richardson and Alevis. And it annoys me. I want to see him throw. Is it going to really impact my ranking for Bryce Young? Probably not. Is it going to impact where he's drafted? Probably not. Maybe that's the greatest defense that you can give Bryce Young, but I want to see him throw. I want to see him compete with these other guys who plan on doing everything in Indy. Why are you pulling me? I'm right. I think you make great points, Joe. Really do. You got something to say, Chris. I yeah. just love that you, that, like you, your friend is talking. Your friend is going down this rabbit hole. And while he's doing that, I you're, frantically, you're frantically typing away to get something for the soundboard. Because that was not on the soundboard this morning. You added that to the soundboard. I just now while we were doing the in show. In the last 30 seconds, right. I added that it's to unbelievable. the soundboard. That's great. But the comment. Let's keep the main is, thing the main thing here. Yeah. Why you doing me? Throwing. I'm right. And, and as far as, as Joe goes, I, Joe, you didn't say anything that was factually untrue right and and people can have an opinion about whether or not it matters and whether or not it matters to throw and what what impact the whole pre-draft process has on on what a player is going to be anyway right i mean there's endless ideologies and thought processes and perspectives and if you love bryce young on tape you're going to love bryce young no matter what whether he throws at the combine or not and that's okay Right, right, like we're all entitled to have different opinions. We don't have to sit in a circle around the campfire and sing kumbaya and agree on everything. Because if we did, what a boring life that would be. I am of the school of thought that you are. No, Bryce Young is a player whose resume at Alabama speaks for itself. Won the Heisman Trophy. Superbly productive. 
And the things that he is on tape are the things that he are on tape. But the questions about the projection to the next level are not rooted on his anticipation or his accuracy or his ability to throw to spots. It is the physical nature of the way he which he plays the game contrasted against the physical nature of playing the quarterback position. And I don't have a lot of answers because it is a projection through and through. Um, I think the easiest way to alleviate the questions is to do everything and put yourself out there. But as we know, all of these players have camps that are looking out for their best interests and for whatever reason, save me with the, oh, he had an AC injury, AC joint injury in season, right? Because that was something that was tagged onto the back of the report on Monday that he's not going to throw. He's well removed from his AC joint. His AC joint doesn't matter. He came back and played that season, right? Yeah, he's fine. It's a choice. So it's inconsequential. It was a decision not to throw. And we will see what that ultimately, and we've, we've seen players who choose not to participate in things in the pre-draft process, and it works out for them. And we've seen players who make decisions to not do things, and it ends up blowing up in their face. I'm inclined to think because Bryce Young is, is who Bryce Young is, this is not going to dramatically change his forecast for the draft. But I do Joe, happen to be of the same school of thought as you that I, I would very much have appreciated the opportunity for myself to find the answers yeah. within myself. And I'm not a decision maker, so I don't matter here. Like you do you, yeah. Bryce. It's fine. But for yeah, my level of comfort with Bryce Young, having this data point would have been a helpful thing for me. I, I agree with that. And probably the best uh, defense that you can give Bryce Young is that every quarterback who has gone number one overall in the draft since 2019 has not thrown at the combine. And so that's right. a string of Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, none of them threw at the combine. So it's probably inconsequential for where he's going to get drafted. But as a data point, like you said, Kyle, that I want, I want to see him throw. I don't think he can hurt him. Right. Like, I think maybe that's probably like it can't hurt him. I don't think it can hurt him. You're going to cling to whatever the tape told you about Bryce Young. That's right. And I think that's that's the thing for you and I. And this is self-awareness on on our end. I know we are not we have not been super eager to buy in on the ceiling of Bryce Young as a prospect because he is would be an outlier as it pertains to the traditional norms of playing the position. And because of that, we want all the information that we can have and we want all the exposures that we can get that would give us the peace of mind to really buy in on the projection and not have him firmly in the top 32 picks, but not the the guy I would pound the table for. Which I think is where both you and I fall as it pertains to Bryce Young right now. We openly acknowledge this is one of the best 32 players. He plays the premier position in the NFL, but you're drafting him to be an outlier. And because of that, there's a little bit of apprehension to stand on the table and pound the table because it goes back to the conversation about does he walk on water? If you, if you don't meet the thresholds, the historical thresholds of playing your respective position at the NFL level, going in the first round, 
The expectation is you should have to walk on water. And I don't think you and I watch Bryson and feel he walks on water in a way that has us ready to scream from the rooftops. This is the number one overall player in the class. And I think what I think what makes that tough is like you can really appreciate the playmaking and the instincts and just a natural feel for creating plays, whether that's with throws, buying time, escapability, movement within the pocket. You might be yes. able to talk yourself into him walking on water. Where I think I get hung up on that is all right, translatability, right? That, that that's the thing is I, I love the plays that he makes. I loved watching Johnny Manziel at Texas AM. I loved watching Zach Wilson at BYU. Oh, and I'm not, you're going to get in trouble bringing those no, names listen, up. Listen, listen, I can appreciate how dynamic of a college football player they were, but wonder about translatability. And Bryce Young averaged over three seconds, time to throw last season for Alabama. That is not a world he can live in at the next level. And so my question is all the cool stuff that he does, which I like, the translatability at that size and with his processing speed or decision-making speed, I don't like how that all marries together. So I, and, and I think there's, there's something to be said about the Alabama system, which it's had several play callers throughout the course of the last couple of years, whether it was Mike Loxley or it was Bill O'Brien or who am I forgetting? Is there somebody in between? Brian Old Miss, Steve, Steve Old Sarkeesian. Old Miss legend Lane Kiffin. So I'm thinking, I'm, was Lane was there before Tua, right? Yeah, it was, then it was Dayball, Sark, yeah, so O'Brien. And Loxley was in there as well. Yeah, he might have been earlier, though. He's been Loxley, in Maryland for Loxley a while was now. Tua's freshman year, I believe. Because okay. he left the he left the Alabama OC job to go be the head coach at Maryland, which was like two years ago. Um, but the 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 general bones of the system has been the general bones of the system, and and Nick Saban's talked about that. If I'm going to bring in a new offensive coordinator, I'm going to make one guy learn how we do things, and not make hundreds and hundreds of other people learn how one guy does things when he's probably going to leave for a head coaching job in two, three years anyway. Do you feel like the Patriots did that this year? They tried to. Well, no, I don't know that they did. Because they tried to instill a Shanahan-oriented system. Right, and then had to pivot. In, in the summer with, with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Yeah. Unbelievable. And players who had played in that kind of system were like, well, what happens if they come out in this formation to offset the, the blocking surface to the front side? They said, well, we'll worry about that when we get there. That's according to the Boston Herald. That was their, the, the coach's response was, we'll worry about that when you get there. And the players are like, oh, <laughs> you know, this system has this kind of stuff baked in already. Like you're supposed to have this as the, the, the catch call at the line of scrimmage. So it obviously didn't work well. They transitioned away from zone. Uh, the outside zone system back to a gap scheme throughout the course of the season. But that's been the saving ideology is our systems, our system, right? And if you as a new play caller, you got to learn our system and then put your own spin on it when you get into the weeds and we're going week to week to week. So I think about the parallels on what Tua Tungvaloa did really well and how they kind of evolved the RPO passing game at the college level. 
to get deeper concepts down the field. And how Bryce has a lot of wins in the same areas. And I think for Bryce, he's shown to be more durable than Tua Tungvaloa. I think he's a better athlete than Tua Tungvaloa. I think he's got comparable accuracy to Tua Tungvaloa. That's the sales pitch. You got to go to an offense that's willing to embrace in the same way that the Dolphins with Mike McDaniel baked in a lot of answers pre-snap with their motion and shifts. RPO get to death. A lot of play action passing. You got to have a certain infrastructure, I think, for Bryce. So I think the, the hiccups that Tua experienced early when it was Chad O'Shea, first-year offensive coordinator, and Chan Gailey, second-year offensive coordinator, I think those things are very relevant for Bryce Young as well. When you think about his projection, understand you got to play a certain brand of football. And if you're not going to play that way, then the forecast for Bryce gets very, very murky and very, very muddy. Yeah, he's tough, man. And I, I, I respect, I respect where anybody would come in on him. If you think he's that dude, number one player should be the pick. Okay. All right. If you're not for me, I get it. I really do. I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle of that, but I think we both are. Yeah. I don't want to speak for Chris Schubert, Christopher P. Schubert. I don't want to speak for him, but. I appreciate you not speaking for me. Where are you with Bryce Young? We, we've done all these shows. We've done Ooh, all this like content. This I have Joe, no Joe and I have done, done TDM 100 stuff, and we've battled with Keith and Damian and Brentley about Bryce Young mm-hmm. for forever. And you know who hasn't said a yeah. GD word about Bryce Young? <laughs> you. This is going to be good. It's correct. I, I have, I have uh, purposely <laughs> stayed upstate. quiet on the matter. <laughs> And I would, I would prefer to stay quiet on the matter, but I, I feel as if I don't really have a choice here at this point. Uh, you produce an NFL draft podcast. And you yeah, you got to go on the record. And, and just remember, whatever I you have, say right now will be held against you for the rest of your life. I have Bryce Young as my third favorite quarterback in this year's draft class. I like that. I like the way he put that. I like the way he put that. Behind. Will Levis is my favorite quarterback in this year's draft class. Okay. CJ Stroud is my second favorite quarterback in this year's draft class. Joe, I feel like we haven't done this for a while. Who is your favorite okay. quarterback in this year's draft class? <laughs> I'm sitting here going through this and I'm like, my favorite quarterback versus the one that I would actually pick if I had to pick one. Who's my favorite quarterback in this year's draft class? Yes. Will Levis. Joe, great minds think alike. I'm going to be that guy, huh? The the one I would actually pick might be C.J. Stroud, though. (laughs) C.J. Stroud is the one I would pick and my favorite quarterback in this year. That's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. You know, and before the season, it was Will Levis. And I understand in the same, look, in the same way that you can talk about Bryce and projectability and the RPO scheme and the anticipation on certain concepts versus actual progressions and full field reads and the timeliness of all that, making plays within the pocket and staying on. All that stuff is questions for Bryce. I have 
almost all of the same exact questions about Will Levis. But he's and built like an action figure and has a big arm. Correct. So that's the contrast. Big difference. <laughs> but he is not as instinctual as Bryce Young is. No. And do you remember having this debate? Or I not a debate. Do you remember ahead of the 2020 draft, I asked you a question. Would you rather have the guy who wins outside of structure, but you need to teach to play within yeah, structure? Yeah, I do remember this. Or the guy who wins within structure, but has not shown the consistent ability to win outside of structure? Let's we'll ask the question again. Do I want the quarterback that can win inside of structure, but not outside, or do I want the guy that can win outside, but not inside? And you, and you have to teach to play inside structure. Yeah. And I remember, I remember we, the way that I settled on this is that I thought it was easier to teach the instructure stuff. Correct. Three I, years I, later, do I agree with, with myself? <laughs> <laughs> And what's, what's really hard, both, <laughs> what's really hard about that is that whole discussion went back to two two quarterbacks, right? Should mm-hmm. we? Can we divulge who these were? Or do you not want to? You do can, that? yeah. It was Jordan Love, Jordan Love, and Justin Herbert. Yeah. What's hard is when you look back in hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Justin Herbert's structure at Oregon was dog shit. Let's be honest. Chris, you got to slap the E tag on this. I apologize. I think that's a great way to use the E tag for today's show. You, you've blown it on worse, though. I, you know, I mean, this is. Right. There have been worse. Right. There have been times I'm where like, I'm like, man, that's, you blew it on that. That <laughs> deserved it. So you're good there. The, the structure and confine of the confines of the Oregon offense, in hindsight, when contrasted to an NFL offense, did not set Justin Herbert up to showcase what he was capable of doing inside and outside of structure as an NFL quarterback. You, I mean, unless you were super intimate with the, the specifics of the Oregon offense, that's a really hard level of dots to connect from the outside looking in. So when, when we're talking about these two players, Will Levis and Bryce Young, I at least have a comparable for Bryce because we've seen a quarterback who wins in the same kinds of ways, but is a lesser athlete and what that transition looked like for him. So, you know, okay, you have to play the game a certain kind of way. And if you do, I can really get behind you for will. I mean, Scangarello in that offense this year, in Kentucky was, Awful. Dare I say, dog shit. The question I was going to say it if you did, so there you go. <laughs> the question is where Will himself falls on that spectrum, and that's really what the interviews and the pro day and the top 30 visits, I don't envy having to sort that out because you can sell yourself on the highs, but just as easily you can convince yourself of the lows. So do you think we're invoking the right names here for 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 um Will, because I think the player that I kind of go back to, again, not a one for one, but does this person win inside of structure? Do they win outside of structure? Does it translate? Pretty good second last year and then this didn't come together the last year. That sounds like uh, Josh Allen at Wyoming. Was Josh Allen good inside of structure at Wyoming? 
He was sometimes really good outside of structure, but also really bad. Supporting cast questions, lost a lot from the 17 team into the 18 team. Didn't build upon the season at all. Like, is that a better way to look at it? So now you're invoking Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. Right? Those are the two names that have now been invoked on behalf of Will Levis. Let's talk about the floor. What's the floor? Ooh, I like that. The floor for Will Levis is For the integrity of the conversation, we got to define the spectrum, right? It's not just the high-end outcomes. It's the low-end outcomes as well. I think the floor for for Will Levis is 2019 Josh Allen. Can you give me a player who's not Josh Allen? Like more like actual career, what they were? Yeah. No, I don't know. Deshaun Kaiser. Um, Oh, God, don't do that. Don't do that. Look at some of the reps this year, man. Oh, man, are you kidding me? And that oh, and that's why that's why I can't sit here and talk to you two seen. guys and say that Will Levis is my favorite quarterback in this year's class. Because if I look at the lows, is he, is he Sam the, Darnold? Maybe our criteria for favorite is different. Like I just love the skill set. I mean, so do I. I love the personality, the intangibles, like so what people I. say it like. I, I, I love, love that he's not a that. silver spoon quarterback that played at a five star it's a five star from a five star program from the very beginning and he's gone through adversity and the work ethic is there from everything that we hear. And like, all right. that's like that. That's, that's all very legitimate. My favorite. It's not because of his consistency as a player. Right. But that's a part of the discussion with him as a player. And therefore it. it... And see, but by the way, CJ Stroud and the adversity that he's been through in his life too. Like it's a pretty inspirational stuff for CJ as well. So I take, I take that element and then I parlay that with the projectability from a football and what I think the range of outcomes is, is for him as an NFL quarterback. And that's for me is, is why I look at the whole picture with CJ and that's, that's the guy for me. I am far and away most comfortable with CJ Stroud's film. I can feel comfortable saying that. Chris, I have no idea if we've accomplished the objectives of today's podcast. I don't know if we have either. Mind, but, yeah, but we talked about You know what? Neither neither do I. As the producer of the show, I, I don't know. We went into it with trying to answer some questions, and I feel like we came out with more questions. But you know what? It's good for content down the road. At some point, we'll be ready to, like, be definitive and, like, no more guesswork. We'll have all the information we're ever going to have, and we'll really hash it out. But I think this is a, a pretty good check-in, like ahead of the combine, how we're feeling about these quarterbacks. And, you know, at some point we do have to like, all right, Hayes got to be in the barn at some point. We'll get there. But right now, I think this is a fair opportunity for everyone to kind of get a glimpse into how we're processing everything. Absolutely. So combine week is upon us. We're very excited for that. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Hit subscribe. Follow along all throughout this process. We got you covered. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Appreciate our friends over at Online for their continued support of the show. Make it a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk with you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com 
or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.